You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This is Bradley Martin of the Screener Squad, and oh, what things I have to show you. No, no, wait, that's not it. What I'm trying to talk about is the Sandman, Neil Gaiman's existential, thought-provoking, spiritual, through-the-DC-universe type of storytelling epic with a hint of Shakespeare about dreams. Morpheus, the dream master, lord, king, emperor, is imprisoned in a glass case by some old man who just wants his son back. The Sandman, being imprisoned, doesn't care for it and decides, I'm going to take a vow of silence. And years become more years, become decades, become several decades, And while the Master of Dreams is trapped in this case, a sickness of sleep plagues the land. Some people stay asleep forever. Some people walk around as if they are asleep. This is based on that comic book, that master grand work of Neil Gaiman, winner of prestigious awards, some which got a bunch of sci-fi authors and fantasy authors in a huff. Like, how can you give our award to a comic book writer? The very idea. Said to be impossible to adapt. And we're going to discuss if that still remains true. But I'm not going to discuss that alone. I have a silver lining around a dark cloud with us today. It's Ray. Hello. And also I have the master of his own... Sanctorium? Correct. Neil is with us. Hello. So what I'm most interested in at first talking about, this would be impossible to adapt unless you had $400 million budget. All the naysayers said. Do they have a point? I'm going to say I think this is wonderful. Uh, (laughs) I, I, I don't have any problems with the adaptation, but then I say that as being a person who has not read this and i know that is hard to believe i know that you probably expected people on this review that had read it cover to cover but i haven't the only thing i knew going into this was i have seen a lot of the artwork and i knew the basic uh bios of all of our main characters that's it so i'm watching this pretty much as a as a as a newbie as a virgin as a as a totally blank canvas and I don't care what their budget was. I, I don't know whether it was big. I don't know whether it was small. I don't know whether it was medium. I don't care. This is good. Top to bottom, back to front, 
acting to costuming to set design. I, I, yeah, good stuff. All right, Neil, what you say about what dreams may come? I've read the first five comics, so I knew the setup. That's it. I knew the art style and kind of where the how the storytelling would go, but I did not know much past that. So I'm one step to the side from where Ray's at. I'm going to disagree that this is good and say this is great. This is, I think, a perfect storm of probably more factors than we can be aware of. But the fact that Gaiman had worked on American Gods and that was great the first season, then gets mired with a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff and money and politics, and that unravels. Multiple attempts to adapt this, because, yes, this was on that list of, you know, unfilmable, like Watchmen and other things of just, you just can't do it. The scope, the effects, the blah, blah, blah. And then we had to wait for Tom Sturridge to come along to be able to play Dream in this, because I don't know if we had anyone else who could have done this role and really done it as well. So the planets have aligned, the universes have aligned, and we got this beautiful piece of art in these 10 episodes that is the Sandman. You know, I'm going to agree with both of the things you said. This is good and it is great. Me being a big old nerd that loves visual storytelling and is a Neil Gaiman simp, Yes, I have read this, but I would say the cast really makes up for the lack of DC character Easter eggs and really hits home the fact that this isn't a good grand work Neil Gaiman has created because of the interwoven threads and webs we weave through the DC universe. It works with any characters. And it has so many talking points. Uh, like comedies are set up like we need a joke every 15 seconds. Da-da-da-da-da, joke. Da-da-da-da, beat, joke. With this, it's da-da-da-da-da, philosophy. Da-da-da-da-da, a line that will make you want to call your mom. Da-da-da-da-da-da, oh, here's something that'll make you think about why you exist and what is your purpose. And I think that's where it shines a lot. But I do want to talk about that cast. Tom Sturridge's dream kind of talks like this. And Lucian, his librarian, who kind of has to take over when he's trapped away, they have an incredible relationship. Probably my favorite relationship throughout the whole show. What are some of your two, uh, your your favorites? Like I said before, every performance in this is just, <laughs> it's hard to find anything wrong with them. They're pitch perfect. <laughs> it's... But I'm going to call out, you know, someone who is not one of the main characters necessarily, but does play a pretty big role in this. And of course, he's an actor that usually hits it out of the park for me anyway. But I really liked watching David Thewlis work. In you this. took one of mine. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. David Thewlis plays John D, yeah. one of the ancestors of the people who imprisoned Dream. And maybe he has a piece of what Dream used to be with him. Watch to find out. But go on, Ray. Absolutely. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's this performance that he gives where at times you think, ooh, he could have gone, you know, 
kind of stereotypical crazy with this. And if he had gone way over the top, it would have worked. But he doesn't, and it works it works even better. He is quiet, he's understated, and there's a whole episode uh, really dedicated to his character. And we don't get a lot of the other main characters in the episode, but it doesn't even matter because you just watch him sit and because of some of the power that he's been given with what he's stolen from Dream, he works these people into a frenzy by almost doing nothing. But if you watch him sit in the background and just observe his little world going to hell, it is, it's amazing. It's masterful. He's great. Neil. <sighs> that was my number one. So I'll jump to my number two. <laughs> Daddy, <Corinthian>. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, as you started to describe it, I'm like, no, damn it. Uh, the Corinthian, Boyd Halbrook, uh, a nightmare who has been loosed on the world when the dream world is unattended. Um, this feels very much in the vein of Hannibal Lecter, you know, some of the, the, the smooth monsters we've seen portrayed on TV or film. The Corinthian's right in there of... He doesn't. He doesn't need to chew the scenery. Uh, pun intended, if you've watched it. But he's just this presence. And it's also doing it, it behind sunglasses, which a lot of you see movies and sunglasses get ripped off at dramatic times, or they never put on sunglasses, even though they're in their hand. Whatever. He's doing it without his eyes. There's a reason. But it's just his presence, his delivery, these little smirks here and there. I did enjoy. Death as well. That's Kirby Howell Baptiste. Because she's the one that's kind of literally and figuratively slapping Dream to snap out of it. He's he's morose to begin with, but then the captivity and all this. She doesn't fear him. She doesn't hate him. It's all the things at once of just like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> She's great in what small bits we get of her, too. So Now, for the comic readers out there, we all remember when we fell in love with the Sandman. And that was Chapter 6, The Flap of Her Wings, or possibly The Sound of Her Wings. And that was the chapter that explores death. No punches are pulled. They do still let you really contemplate what is death and why am I so afraid of it? But they still hit hard <laughs> with the imagery and with what death does. Now, I want to talk about some of these concepts, though. Lucifer exists, and so does hell. Uh, Gwendolyn Christie, star from Game of Thrones, plays Lucifer. Her and Dream have a little standoff. This was also a highlight and a much proclaimed greatest thing I've ever read back during this Neil Gaiman initial run. What did you two think of that? Or are there other concepts that you want to discuss as an actor? I always find different interpretations of the devil very interesting. If it's if it's Angel Heart, if it's Lucifer, the television series where we get to... It isn't just the red tail and pitchfork, but they're serving a... a, a a much greater purpose, but have their own plans. 
And I think this Lucifer, we only get, we barely get a shot glass. Like it's yeah, not much, it's but one, it's, 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 the one te- it's the tease of it. Like we get teased a couple of things. So hopefully it gets a season two. It's it, supposedly it's one of the biggest Netflix premieres in a, in a long time. So that's, that's, it's got that going for it. But it it's one of those like yes please. Uh, there's that. There's also with desire, uh, and then going back to this the whole thing of dream wasn't the target of all this. All starts they're aiming at someone else, and how did that and why did that happen? Right. So for me, I think it's the diner that Lorea touched on real quick of basically an unraveling of this little world that John D sets up at this aquarium and he's almost literally turning the sun lamp up and up and up and up and watching them fry and fry each other. Mm-hmm. That's uh, episode five, I believe. Yes. And it was, he didn't say anything. He didn't tell them any lies. It was these small little seeds that grow and start ripping these people apart. Um, which you're not sure if that's his full intention either. He's such a bystander, but for the most of that episode, he doesn't have dialogue. He's the observer like you are, but he wants it to play out this way. He's his version of happy that it's playing out this way. That for me um, was probably the most mesmerizing and thought provoking. The the death when when dream and death are going around doing errands, I guess you could call it. Uh, the standoff with Lucifer, but it wasn't enough really with Lucifer yet. Um, but for me, it's the diner. That these people are all good people, but ooh, by the end, wrecked. Well, and even down to some, you know, very minor characters where they're almost, in a way, used as comic relief. I mean, you've got Cain and Abel. Let's hear you go down to these characters where at first they just seem like comic relief in the sense that, oh, well, you've got Cain and you've got Abel, and guess what? Every day, every day, Cain kills Abel again and again and again because they're, you know, they're now in the dream world and they exist, but they have to spend the rest of eternity killing each other, and a lot of it's played for comedy. But then there's a couple of lines in there, and as you start to think about it yourself and everything, imagine killing your brother every day for all of eternity and what kind of, I mean, that's fucked up. I'm sorry, but yeah. you know, it's just fucked up. But <laughs> all you can of, do is laugh at I it. Know, yeah. All you can do is laugh at it. It's played for comedy, but then you also go, Oh my God. And that's a lot of what this does very well is it walks that line and it puts these concepts out there. And sometimes you're crying and sometimes you're laughing but when you think about everything that they put out there, your mind just going, oh, my God, you know, you're <laughs> you're blowing up with these concepts. And there's so much to talk about. But it, again, with one of these reviews, it's hard to do that because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Although I, I, I realize that a lot of our listeners may have read all of this already, but it, maybe you're like me and you haven't. I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's going to be something around every corner that you're going to want to watch again or hear again or think about or talk with a buddy about. So, you know, I almost say don't watch this series alone if you can find a good buddy to watch it with. And that is excellent advice. I've actually seen the pilot three times. Now, one of of the favorite DC staples 
is John Constantine teaming up with Dream to solve a mystery in one chapter. That doesn't happen. But I'm willing to say something better happens. Johanna Constantine, played by the Jenna Coleman, teams up with Dream to solve a mystery. And I'm being very vague about all that. It works better. I think they are incredible together. Love Jenna Coleman, of course, from Doctor Who fame. Just want to say again, she's fantastic. And it still works because it is a great story. Now, winding down a bit. It is 10 episodes, and they do range from 40 minutes to 60. Did any of this drag for either of you? Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, could, I, it didn't I love feel a short like discussion. It, it didn't feel like it needed 11 <laughs> or 12, and I couldn't tell you a single one to pull out. The diner episode is the least dream related sandman related but it is very important in there i wouldn't take an episode out and i don't yes we know there's more story because there was 75 comics total and this is covering only the first eight to ten but this did not feel like it needed another episode the 10 that's why you got the nope there they landed right on it we're seeing a trend of seasons being eight to six episodes you know a mix between hulu and disney plus and others and sometimes those feel a little short, this landed dead center perfect for me. Yeah, and that's one of these things that I am happy to see with streaming services. Uh, I hate, you know, sometimes people have a love-hate relationship with the streaming services, but I'm kind of happy to see this because in a lot of traditional television, you had that thing where it's got to be 22 episodes a season or it's got to be 36 episodes, whatever it is. You know, that's how long a season of television is and that's what we're going to do. And yeah, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not, sometimes you get too much filler, sometimes it's... But we have these places that are willing to say to their creatives and and their writers and directors and everything else and say, okay, how many episodes do you need to tell your story? And they go, ah, nine. And they're like, done. Or they go, six, done. Or they go, we're not getting these bloated, in a lot of cases, don't don't get me wrong, it happens, but we're not getting these bloated series just because you have to fill 22 episodes period agreed so let's carry that into our final thoughts neil if you could lead us please i went in with not high expectations but high hopes of really enjoying this and i did and someone we haven't mentioned who i haven't seen on TV in a while, at least here in America, with Stephen Fry shows up and is fucking amazing and adorable all at the same time in this. I've been bathing in quality lately where I've just seen good thing after good thing after good thing, <laughs> and this is one of them too. And in the time from watching to now, I could not think of anything I did not like or was critical of this show, debating a score. Um, I've been waiting for friends to get through it. You know, Lorraine and I watched it all in one Saturday. Uh, the slackers at work are only two or three episodes in or six episodes in, so I'm not able to talk about it yet. So this was a finally a bit of an outlet, but I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 best friend Ravens. Very good. Best friend Raven, shout out to a character named Matthew, voiced by... Patton Oswald, we all love him. Ray, your final thoughts, please. 
this is something that we watched together at my house and we agreed on so totally. I mean, it's, it is great television. It is great storytelling. It's great acting. It's great directing. It's great. You know, and of course I expected the writing to be good because it's Neil Gaiman, even if I hadn't, one of, it's one of the Neil Gaiman's I hadn't read. Uh, there's, again, Neil is right. I'm, there's nothing about this that I can go, oh, I didn't like that. This is wonderful television, wonderful storytelling, and, and again, wonderful acting, and that is something I always love to see. I binged it all at once. I want to go back and watch it again, of course, at some point. I am excited for them to tell me more of the story, put it right in front of my face, and I'm excited to recommend it to everybody that I can. Uh I don't have a bad thing to say about this either. So it's, I know that may be kind of boring, but I don't go and watch this. And I know that Neil gave it a 10. I have that, you know, mentality that I grew up with as a kid that nobody's perfect. Um, so, you know, I have to give it a 9.75 out of 10. And I'm going to give it 9.75 out of 10 people who will be cosplaying as death this Halloween because it is so dead simple to do. Wonderful. As I said, uh, I've read the, some of this work, and I love this work. It's so nice. The show that adapts the work, for all you purists out there, it's different. His trip to hell is different. Is the emotion behind it the same? Yes. And that shocked me. Maybe I'm being overly perplexed about that as an excuse to watch it again. Because I love this pilot. I love that diner episode. Uh, the Sound of Her Wings. It's probably the most perfectly adapted uh, chapter of a comic I've ever seen on the big screen. And I hate saying that as well because nothing is perfect. I also agree with that conviction. Anyways. <laughs> got a bit whimsical there for a sec. I believe I will also give this very high marks. I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10. Rewatches and rereads of this wonderful work, The Sandman. Support your library. Support adaptations that are this big and grand. If we don't get a second season, that sucks. But this does have a conclusive ending before the teases of a second season. So please still watch it. And, you know, really open up conversations and dialogues with people you love about what all these big ideas mean. And I think your bonds will grow and, you know, you'll strengthen. And over time, you'll be able to talk about anything. Getting a bit, like, uh, pretentious there at the end, but I do think this is a really wonderful work, and please watch it. Anyone got a, a good dream joke to end on? But I challenge you to a joke. Oh, off. um... No. <laughs> I hate to say it, but my favorite joke is, it, 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 I, I don't know how existential this is or not, but um, my favorite joke is, why don't cannibals eat clowns? Because they mm, taste funny. <laughs> Correct. 